If you please take your Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 6. We have just finished up our Advent season and hopefully everyone had a, a very blessed and Merry Christmas and it seems so long ago already. At least it does for our household as we've already sent uh, a daughter away to Northern Ireland and different things have, have gone on. And, and so we, we come to a time where, again, it's the last Sunday in the year, so we're finishing up 2019, looking to 2020. So one of the questions I began to ask was, how do we end this year? I mean, this is a time where, again, there's a lot of uh, TV shows on, reflections of what happened, the big events of the year, and then obviously people start to put uh, things into place of what they're going to change for the new year. So one of the things that I wanted to do was to talk about um, the benediction, one of the benedictions that you hear quite often um, from Aaron that comes from this passage in Numbers 6, 22 through 27, um, and then try to understand what it is that we're saying every time that you hear this, what is being uh, given to us through God's benediction. And so let's give the setting to the situation here. So they've come out of Egypt, the people of God. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've seen the miracles. They've been led by God. And they come now to Mount Sinai. And Moses has gone up onto the mountain to receive the law. He's been up there 40 uh, days. And during that time, they become uh, the people become disgruntled. And they become disobedient. They start thinking maybe he's not going to come back. And so they build a golden calf. And they start to worship the golden calf um, through Aaron. And we'll see that. And now um, they find themselves, <laughs> Moses comes back down. He breaks the tablets, remember. He's getting the people of God ready to go into the wilderness. And as they go into the wilderness, they're looking to get to the promised land. And so it's in that setting that we find this benediction. And it's a benediction. It's not a prayer. So if you've ever um, kind of in the, in the last part, if you bow your head as thinking that the benediction is a pronouncement of a prayer, it's not. It's not a prayer. It's a declaration of blessing from God. It's, and it's only, listen, it's never or should never be the pastor's thinking or his words. It should always be from scripture. God's words are the last thing that you hear and they should be words of blessing. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning. So look at number six, verse 22 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we come to your words, your good words to your people, Lord. We ask that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and Lord, may we grasp just how much you love us and just how much we truly are blessed in this world as well as the world to come. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin to look at this passage, we're going to first look at that the passage comes first from the Lord. So he is the source of the blessing. Now, this is a big deal because the people have been disobedient. 
These people have been rebellious. They are complaining about what God has done. And think about this. They've come out. They're, they're slaves in Egypt. God has brought them out and he's brought them out in a unique way. He's brought them out by miracles. I mean, they have walked through on dry land, through water. They've seen armies, the greatest army of the time, be devastated by water. And yet they still find reason to complain. Now, I don't know about you, but it's easy to look at that and throw rocks and say, I would never do that. But even if we look at our lives, if we look at the, the blessings that God has given to us, how he's taken care of us, the miracles that he brought in our lives, isn't there still the opportunities where we kind of go, eh, I don't think he really cares. I'm not sure if I should really trust him. See, we rebel and complain and gripe all the time. And not only were they in disobedience, they were in disbelief. And we'll see this out because if they had listened to the blessing, they would have had a far different perspective with the spies going out into the, into the new land, right? Instead of the spies coming back and saying, hey, we can't go in there. It's too, too great. They're fortified cities. They're, we're grasshoppers in our own eyes and in their eyes. We, we can't do this. So they're, they're in disbelief. So the source of the blessing comes from the greater to the lesser. And so it's the Lord who is faithful to his promises. Remember, he's the one who said that he was going to lead them. He was going to protect them. He was going to guide them. He is faithful. And so he begins to say, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you in how to worship him. I'm going to lead you in how to do service with your hands to one another. I'm going to lead you in how to enter into the promised land and be witnesses to all the other nations. God will be great. And so what he does, he says, I will have the last word to my people. And here are the blessings that he gives. And so as we begin to see this blessing, the first thing you need to find out about it is it's a three times blessing. Now, why is this important? Okay, when we begin to look at composition, especially in the Hebrew language, the number three is very important. Because again, it talks about, um, if you wanted to, so we use exclamation points, we uh, bold it, we caps, we do things like that to get someone's attention. Back then, you would have repeated the promise twice to say it's important three times if it was really important. And so here we have the Lord three times. The Lord do this. The Lord do this. Not only that, but if you look at the Hebrew language, there's a greater sense of where it's a building blessing. So in the first stanza, the Lord bless you and keep you, in Hebrew, that's three words. If you look at the second one, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that's five. Then if you look at the, the third statement, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, that's seven. So it's a growing, it grows in syllables and it grows in consonants. Each line. And so this is set up as saying that it is the Lord who is moving towards his people. Not his people moving towards him. It's God who's faithful. He comes to us. And as he comes to us, he says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless you in a way that you don't even grasp and understand. 
And so he does this both corporately and with personal blessings. Now, I want you to understand that if you went into this passage and you went and looked, the you there, it's singular. It's not plural. So he says, this blessing is for you. And you need to hear it that way. The Lord bless you and keep you by name. Because again, it's, it's easy to talk about it as, well, the Lord's going to bless the church. Well, yes, the Lord's going to bless the church, but he's going to bless you as an individual within the church. And so he takes us as individuals and he gives us that singular understanding of the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. But he also does it corporately. He does it within the covenant community. Because again, if you remember uh, during this time that the Lord starts to set up his, his sanctuary. And so he's in the middle and every tribe is around it. And so everyone is looking to God. And he says to them, this is my community. This is my covenant community. And I made faithful promises to you. And so you will see the fulfillment together. So that's how it starts. It's a blessing from the Lord to his people. So let's look at what those blessings are. The first thing he says is the Lord bless you and keep you. Now, what does it mean to be blessed by God? Well, again, he said, I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you property. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you health. These are promises he gave. Now, again, if the people of God had listened to this, things in the desert would have been very different. So if, if you believe that God is going to bless you, And he's going to take care of you. Now, again, there's a difference between what you need and what you want. So God's going to take care of your needs. So if your need is a vehicle, you might be getting an old VW. Not the new Lexus. That could be a desire of yours. That could be a want of yours. But he doesn't go around. He's not the great Santa Claus in the sky who's just waiting around to give you whatever you desire. That's not the God of the scripture. But he does say, I'm here to bless you in these specific areas. And he does that because he is near to us. And again, what what happens out in the desert when you get to chapter 13, chapter 14? Remember, they rebel, and God says, uh, the older generation, you're going to die out here? So this is to your grandkids. These are the blessings they're going to receive because you didn't believe me. If you would have just trusted me, you could have gone into the promised land. And what does he do in the midst of the land out in the wilderness? Remember, their sandals never wear out. Forty years you never need a new pair of shoes. 40 years. That's a good pair of shoes. He sends bread from heaven. Bread from heaven every day. And when they complain about that, he sends them quail. He brings water to water millions of people at a time in the desert. There's nothing God can't do. So why don't we trust? 
Why do we begin to look at the world around us? He's faithful to bless us. He also says he's there to keep us. And again, this is a term where it talks about the shepherd shepherding his flock because he's there to guard and protect us. Now again, apply this to yourself. Remember what Jesus says to Peter? Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to tear you apart. But what does he say to encourage Peter? But I have prayed for you. Again, what an incredible understanding that God prays for you by name. By name. Not just Northside. He's praying for Jill. He's praying for Robin. He's praying for Stan. He's praying for George. He's he's praying for all of you by name before his father. And so he says, I will bless you and I will keep you and protect you. So trust me. But then he goes on to say, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Why does it matter about there being a shining? And again, we don't truly get it in our day. But again, we we talk about and we've talked about in the past, the Shekinah glory of God. The shining that comes from God that's so overwhelming that remember Moses who sees just the backside of God. Remember when he came down, his face was so shining from the glory of God that the people were so afraid. They say, hey, you got to go cover up. We're scared. We're freaked out, man. You can't come down looking like that. That's the Shekinah glory of God. And it says, let his face shine upon you like he did Moses. And that's an intimate relationship there. It's communion with God. You have communion with God. And then he says, and and let him be gracious to you. Now, again, this is a big thing because what this means in this passage is let him give you forgiveness. Let him forgive you for your sins. Now, this is a big deal because who is the one giving the blessing? Aaron, Aaron, the Aaron who just a few weeks before developed the golden calf, who saw thousands of people be destroyed by the Lord. Aaron doesn't deserve to be there. Aaron should be dead right now. But God establishes Aaron as the high priest. And he gets to go before the Lord on everybody's behalf. And he gets to speak for the Lord to the people. And he says, Father, forgive them as you've forgiven me. He's exhibit A. And so here's this great example of someone who has been forgiven much comes. And he says, don't listen to the lies of Satan. You are forgiven if you repent and you give your sins over to God. They're forgiven and forgotten. Maybe not from people around you, but they are from God. So quit allowing things to define you or sins of the past to 
pull you down. Confess your sins. Repent. And be restored to a right relationship. So he says, the Lord lift his face to you, shine upon you, be gracious to you. And then he says, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, countenance is, is where it's a, it's a facial expression. And you know because we do this to each other. So you can say words, but your face speaks something different sometimes. And so if you're cross, your countenance would be cross. You, your face doesn't look like you're giving a blessing. So what this talks about is during this time, kings would have people come in. They didn't even sometimes even look at the people because they were underneath them. But the way it speaks of is if the king turned and looked at you, the way his face was upon you definitely spoke volumes. For his countenance was one of disdain, then you're in trouble. But what this is saying is God's countenance towards his people is he has his father's eyes upon you. He looks at you and smiles. He smiles at you. Because you are his. And he says, therefore, have your peace. Your shalom. Your wholeheartedness. Everything about you should feel secure. Because you know that the living God, you can take a message, that the living God cares about you as an individual. Cares about you as an individual. Now, how does that happen for us? It happens because Jesus is the one who takes the curse. Everything, every blessing that God gives, listen, he does the opposite for Jesus. So instead of blessing and keeping Jesus, he curses Jesus. He curses Jesus. Listen to what Galatians 3 says. Christ redeemed us. From the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus is cursed by the father and he is disregarded before he finds himself in the midst of hell. Listen, it it wasn't... The thing about Jesus being on the cross, that's what's not so important. Thousands of people were crucified on crosses. Thousands. The thing that made it unique about Jesus is Jesus was perfect. But Jesus endured something on the cross that was far greater than physical pain. What Jesus found upon the cross was that his father brought his wrath And the penalty of sin upon his son. Jesus endured hell for us. That is far greater than any physical punishment or pain that he received. He's the one who took on. And how could he do that? Because he was our perfect sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they they slaughtered thousands of bulls and goats and, and rams and pigeons and all that. That blood all the time. And it never satisfied until Jesus. And then he becomes that one perfect sacrifice that takes away the wrath and the penalty of sin that should be upon us and it goes upon Christ. 
And then what it says at the end is that the Lord forsake and bring dread upon Jesus. Remember what Jesus said upon the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only time that Jesus has ever been separated from his Father without being in that perfect unity of the Trinity. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it doesn't stop there. Because when Jesus is resurrected, after he's gone through the dread of descending into hell and taking our punishment, what does he do on Resurrection Sunday? He gives us peace. That's the first words that he says to the disciples. Peace be to you. Peace. Because I've paid it all. The curse is gone. So may now the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord's countenance be upon you. And may he give you peace. Because Christ has paid it all. And then he says in the last verse, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. The name of God upon his people. One of the best examples of this that I heard was about the Toy Story story. Now listen, what do the toys look to when they began to struggle with who they are, or Andy growing up, or being lost or taken away. Where did they go? They went, and for Woody, he looks at his boot, and he sees the name Andy. Now I want you to take that view, and God has placed upon you his name. You're his. And there is nothing Nothing that can separate that from you. So receive the Lord's blessings because God looks through Jesus to us. And he puts his name upon us. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible gift. Even before the people rebelled and weren't able to go in the promised land, you gave us a blessing because you are the one who's faithful. And so, Lord, even when we grumble and we complain and we become disobedient, you still allow us to come home to you, to run to you, because we have the name of Jesus Christ (coughs) written upon us so that we might come freely into your presence, confess our sins, repent, and turn back to you. And then receive your blessings and your keeping us, your protection, your forgiveness, your mercy and your grace and your face to shine upon us. So, Father, as we go into this new year, may we go with the blessings of God in our ears and upon our hearts. But, Lord, may it also be upon our lips so that we might tell others of the blessing of the good news that Jesus Christ has paid for our sins so that we might receive the blessings of God both now and forevermore. And we pray all this in God's precious power through the Holy Spirit and in the name of his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.